as we go throughout the morning this morning, whether you're uh, one of our children or not, hopefully the children picked up the packets on the way in. Uh, there's an outline in there for you. Children, if you want to fill that outline out, be glad to give you a little treat on the way out the door. I want to make it encouraging, uh, things that you can learn as you're going along, but then things that families can discuss together uh, later as they've had time to uh, process or go back and ask some of the questions uh, from this morning's time together. We pray that the Word of God would not just be something we do for uh, about a half an hour on a Sunday morning, but it'd be something that is a part of our lives and uh, changing us. So adults, sorry, I don't have any treats for you, but fill out the outline anyway. Stay engaged with the message as we go along this morning. Uh, we'll be in John chapter 13. I didn't just make this up. <laughs> uh, like I said, Sunday's always coming. The New Year's always coming. Uh, the idea is uh, love today. This is a, a message that was um, seeded, uh, began to develop several weeks ago. Uh, earlier in December. So in looking toward the new year, wanted to do a couple of sermons on love. So we'll start in January with a few topical sermons. Uh, and what better place to start than John chapter 13? Uh, there it is. If you have a Bible with you, go ahead and open it up. We'll be from 31 to 35. And just a handful of verses, but some really great truth this morning. When he had gone out, Jesus said, Now is the Son of Man glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself and glorify him at once. Little children, yet a little while I am with you. You will seek me, and just as I said to the Jews, so now I also say to you, where I am going you cannot come. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. All right. We're going to start off with something a lot of us will be able to relate to. Uh, we're going to borrow some symbols here. From social media. All right, some of you use social media, some of you don't use social media, and that's okay. Uh, I always encourage people to stay balanced with their social media. Maybe there's a, a New Year's uh, goal to set, maybe by using a little bit less. But you'll recognize these symbols. On the left is like, and on the right is love. All right, so if you're not familiar with social media, how it works is you see somebody's post. I'm going to give you some examples here in a moment. And you might respond with, I like that post. Or you might respond with, I love that post. Okay, so uh, here, here's an example. People post pictures of their food on social media. Like they think, I really care what type of cake they ate for dessert. Okay, you're chuckling because... All right, no, you know you do it. Number one, I do it. I've posted a meal before. Okay, and you know that you've gone, okay, I don't even care what kind of cake they ate. And so, but sometimes you're scrolling through and you go, I give it a like. Right? I just, all right, nice. I'm hungry. I want some cake. All right, so you give it a like and that's kind of the way it goes. Now, there's other posts that you may love. Right? I got to search puppy pictures. And who doesn't like puppy pictures? Why are you getting the puppy? If you don't love the puppy picture, 
have you no soul. <laughs> All right? You love it. Oh, I love the puppy picture. Okay, now let's mix it up a little bit. Let's say somebody that you know or your friend or whoever, a Christian brother or sister, starts posts about politics. <laughs> now, I didn't put a like or a love on this because I want to I challenge you. What if somebody that you know and that you care for posts something about politics that you don't like? What, ha what happens then? Right, the question is, do you still love that person? Or are my feelings about them going to change because of what they posted that I don't like? Okay, this is striking a little bit at the nature of what love itself really is. All right? Is love just liking something? Oh, I love that cape. We all say that. Is that really love? Oh, do I love the puppy? I have these emotions. Oh, it's so cute and sweet. and Oh, we love it. But, but when it gets challenging, what if we don't like it? Is it still love? Can we still have love? That's part of what's going on in, in these verses today. All right, so our, our big context before we narrow down is, is the glory of God. Uh, Jesus says when he had gone out, uh, it says... He said this, now is the Son of Man glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself and glorify him at once. So the context of John 13 is what we know of the as the Last Supper. This is the night before Jesus was to be crucified. And so uh, rarely do we see the glory of God in easygoing circumstances. Everything in life is peachy and it's cake. Glory to God. That's when it's easiest to say glory to God, isn't it? When everything's great and perfect. Right? But in the Bible, when we see God glorified in these very big and visible ways that communicate to our hearts and souls and they encourage us, a lot of times it's in a difficult circumstances. What's the immediate context here? The immediate context is that Jesus is, is going to die. And so what we have to do as we're studying the Bible and we're getting ourselves acquainted with God is we have to rebel against seeking ease. Rebel against saying God is only glorified when my life is easy and everything is perfect. No, God is, is glorified even when things are difficult. And often when things are difficult is when God chooses uh, to reveal his glory. So I, I chose a verse from Nehemiah. Some of you may not know who Nehemiah is. Nehemiah is a guy who helped lead the people of Israel back from captivity. So just for a little bit of, of arc of timeline, about in the 1400s, the Israelites were enslaved in Egypt and God set them free from that slavery. It's called the Exodus. So that's about in the 1400s. And over time, uh, lots of things happened. They set up a, a kingdom. Eventually, they had kings and the kingdom split. And as things declined, uh, eventually, they were uh, hauled off into captivity by the, the Babylonians. 586 B.C., uh, the remaining people are, uh, J Jerusalem is conquered. The remaining people begin to go into captivity in, in Babylon. So a little bit about 100 or so years after that, so they begin 70 years later, they begin to come back. But about 100 or so years after that, Nehemiah is a guy who's helping to rebuild the city. 
And what I want you to see here is this is a glorious thing. The city is being rebuilt. God has honored his promise. It says when our enemies heard, it was known to us that God had frustrated their plan. We all returned to the wall, each to his work. All right, so you would think if God has decreed that in 70 years they're going to come back from exile, that everything would be peachy and it'd be a piece of cake, right? No, that's not what they experienced. There were people who were opposed to them rebuilding the walls of the city. Wherever God has a promise, a plan, a vision, a covenant with his people, it's never easy. But this is what happened. God had frustrated their plan. They went back to work. And then we see a couple chapters later in Nehemiah 6 that the wall was finished. The 25th day of the month of Elul. 52 days it took them to build the wall. Incredible amount of time, effort, energy. God blessed their work so they were able to complete the wall in a short period of time. 52 days. All right? Get this idea that is rarely among easy circumstances. So I have some, some examples of this for you uh, today. Here is a picture from, I uh, actually crawled up on the roof on a Sunday morning. Uh, this is several weeks ago, maybe in early December or late November. And it was such a beautiful sunrise. I was like, I got to go up on the roof and take a picture of this. I think, I was just like, God is glorified. Here we are in this pandemic, and, and so many things are bad, and there's death, and there's division, and there's all this stuff going on. And look at God just showing off on a Sunday morning. I was like, look at that. That's amazing. And it didn't last long. I was glad I got up. You know how the good sunset is, or the good sunrise? Like, you got to get your camera out fast, because that may not be there in a few minutes. Okay, uh, Christmas variety night. If you didn't come to Christmas Friday night, you missed it. But I loved Christmas Friday night. The year before, it was empty. We had like 12 people, and everything was streamed online. And this year, we were able to gather for Christmas Friday night. And it's kind of funny. Everybody waves with their right hand when you tell them to wave. So next time you're in a crowd and somebody says, everybody wave, just be that, that person that says, you know what, I'm going to use my left hand. All right, so Christmas Friday night. And this was Easter earlier this year. It was great because people had started to come back to church. The vaccines were available. People were starting uh, to come back more. It was uh, just an exciting morning in the middle of difficulty of what do we do? How do we do it? We don't know, but here's the glory of God on Easter morning. We got to be together. Missions conference. I know I'm jumping around. This isn't chronological, but this is October. We were able to talk to somebody in Siberia at our missions conference. I was so blessed by hearing Boris Tell us about doing mission in, um, in Siberia, going up the river. It was cold and all this stuff. Just amazing, amazing opportunity we had to interface with Boris. All right, glory to God, encouragement to our souls. Here's a guy. Uh, his name is Tim. Uh, one of the trainings that we held this year, the one we held in November, uh, ended up being advertised on a national site, Tim. I had never met him before uh, Saturday, November 20th. Uh, he signed up for our training. He was at some museum, I think a museum of the Bible in Washington, D.C., and somehow the training was advertised there, and he signed up for it. I got an email, and I was like, I think you signed up for the wrong one because you're, like, from Wisconsin. <laughs> well, this is a little bit out of your way for a training. He's like, no, I'm coming. I'm going to be traveling. I'm going to be there, all this stuff. And so he told us at the training, he's like, yeah, you sent out this email that, you know, it's all about learning how to share your faith. And I didn't know if I really wanted to do that, so I almost didn't come. But it was really cool. By the end of the day, 
he was so blessed that he got to be here and be a part of us. And I was just like, man, I was so blessed to meet Tim. God just does things sometimes that you never know what he's up to and you never know how he's going to do it. But this to me was one of those examples from the year. And if you can't figure it out, I got this little lazy eye thing and I can't look straight into a camera and it's all, all a mess. All right. So be encouraged in difficult circumstances. God can work. That's how it works. And so without God's glory and difficulty, our, our theme today, a church that loves. If we're waiting for everything to be peachy and easy until we express love, then we're, we're missing uh, the character of God. We want to be a church that loves in all circumstances. Okay. We want to be in a spirit of servanthood. Children, come on up here. Anybody figure out? Come on. Don't. I don't have candy for you today. I got dirty flip-flops. Isn't this exciting? Let's go. Got a little beach sand in here, I think. No. It's been a couple years since I took these to the beach. They're, they look pretty good. Come on up here. Can I have a seat? Children are coming. We're going to do some thinking about flip-flops today. All right. We got Elena. We got Adrian's coming. We got Olivia. I love it. Mom's helping. All right, Levi, Josiah. I'm trying to figure out. I don't see anybody. Why aren't you wearing flip-flops today? You got boots on. Why you got boots on? Why don't you have flip-flops on? It's cold. Now, I'm going to translate for a minute. They said it's cold. And really what that means is it's cold, silly. Right? You don't wear flip-flops when it's cold, right? You wear them. Now, why do people wear them in the summertime? Because it's Because you can take them off easy to jump in the pool. What else? It's warmer. Right? You're comfortable in the flip-flops. You just kind of wear them around. So what's the problem with the flip-flops in the summertime? You could get a tan line. You could get a tan line. You know what, Charlotte? I never thought of that in my whole life. I do get burned on my feet, but it's not because I'm wearing flip-flops. I don't care for flip-flops a whole lot. This is an ongoing thing. All right, so what else is a problem with flip-flops? Go ahead, Josiah. Hard to run in them. That's good right there. It is hard to run in flip-flops. Levi. Sand, rocks. All right, Elena. Yeah, you could slip. All right, there's all kind of things in foot. Esther? You could trip on them. All right, so in Bible times, this is kind of about like the only kind of um, shoes they had. And so if you walked around on roads with these all day long, what would happen to your feet? They get dirty. Kind of like with, uh, they hurt and they get dirty. So like Levi said, all kind of stuff gets in here. And, and so when people came over to your house um, in, in Bible times, one of the ways that you greeted them was by either having somebody who was at your house or offering them a way to wash their feet and to clean them because it was really messy. Now, Jesus came from earth. We just celebrated his birth. or came from heaven to earth uh, to show us all about God. And he showed us how to be servants. You know what he did? He washed his disciples' feet. It was usually the job for somebody very low in society. But Jesus knelt down and he washed his disciples' feet. They had worn their flip-flops, their feet were dirty, and the Son of God lowered himself to be a servant to his disciples, and he washed his feet right before this passage that we read this morning. 
Okay, so the glory of God involves us having a servant's heart and a servant's attitude. Let me pray with you, and then you can go back to your seats, okay? God, give us a servant's attitude. Help us not to be afraid to serve others, even if it means lowering ourselves. We love you, and we thank you. And I pray for each of these children that are here this morning that you would help them uh, to see your glory, to lower themselves, and always look to how they can serve others in their homes, their schools, and around them. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Okay, great. So adults, everybody, here's the idea, right? We're the glory of God in being a servant. That's the context of where we are in John chapter 13. Jesus is a servant. Might get a tan line when you're wearing flip-flop. I love it, Charlotte. That was great. Okay, so in a spirit of servanthood. I, so without the glory of God, a difficult circumstances, without a spirit of servanthood, we're not going to fully understand love. We want to be a church that loves. And so how can we be a church that loves? Well, let's look into what Jesus says in this challenge that he gives. All right? Before we move on, here's this verse in Matthew 23, verse 11. It says, the greatest among you shall be your servant. And then just a few verses earlier in John 13, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. All right, so just about language about servants and masters, and we want to take on that heart of servanthood in order to be great in God's eyes. We lower ourselves. It seems so backwards, but it's exactly what God wants to us. And that's, that all prepares us to receive this teaching about love, okay? What is love uh, among the followers of Jesus? All right, so the first thing we'll say is that love is going to connect to commitment. Love connects to commitment. Verse 34 from today's passage. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. Now, this sounds very similar to the language that Jesus used when he sums up all the law and the commandments. And he says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, and your strength, and, do, and love your neighbor as yourself. It's, it's kind of similar. He's telling his disciples to love one another. A new commandment I give to you, all right, as I have loved you. You should love one another, all right? So I've been thinking about this as I've tried to get these verses to a place where they're helpful. I'm going to be honest with you. I don't want anybody <laughs> telling me who or how to love who doesn't have the authority to do so. Think about it. Do you really want somebody telling you who to love or how to love them? Who would you take that instruction from? It's difficult. It's challenging. All right? Now, you're, you're, what we're going to talk about here is, is commitment. Now, if you're totally committed to Jesus, you're going to be open to this. You're going to listen. If you're not 100% totally committed to Jesus, that's okay. If you're learning this, if you're not sure what it looks like to be committed to Jesus, living a life that is committed to him, then I want you to pay attention to this. This isn't a threat or a dividing line, but it is a challenge in how we understand it, okay? But you may not be real interested in what Jesus commands you to do. <laughs> I'm hopeful that we'll at least give this a listen. 
And I'm hopeful that if you are committed to Jesus, have been for some time in your life, or you're, you're, you're eager to grow, you're trying to figure this out, um, then you'll listen to this command. We'll, we'll dial into this and we'll say, am I really willing to listen to Jesus about how to love and who to love? Am I really willing to ask, how can I do this better? Or to seek, where have I failed somebody? And how could I make that right? We might even ask, Jesus, is he calling me to love somebody specifically? So love connects to commitment. And part of the joy in, in growing in love as a believer in Jesus Christ is that we get to do that together. It's part of the reason that believers ever from, since the beginning of the, the church in the book of Acts have, have gathered together. It hasn't always looked like this in buildings like this. All right? It used to be in people's homes and a lot of people still meet in homes in our country and around the world. And some people meet in buildings. But believers gather. Why? Because they love each other. Acts chapter 2 tells us that they had all things in common, okay? And that meant spiritually they were on the same page. They were uh, wanting to follow Jesus and they were wanting to be together in that pursuit. It didn't mean they had all the same backgrounds or views on everything, but it had, they had things in common spiritually. All right, so I want to introduce something to you as I, as I talk to you this morning about church life is we have put together Goss Memorial Church 2022 events calendar. Now, if you can see this, you can see that it has some color on it. We went fancy on this. All right, it's got color and everything. It's even got a back that's going to help you understand this. I'm not going to read the whole document to you. Uh, they're available out here in the lobby. If you want to grab one over the next week or two, it's going to be available online as well. But the goal in putting this annual events calendar together is to give us a chance to evaluate commitment. Today is the first Sunday of 2022, so by my math, that means there's 51 more Sundays. I just want to ask, I'm not going to throw out a number because everybody's circumstances are different, but what does commitment look like when it comes to being a part of a, a service? What does commitment look like when it, when it comes to being a part of a group of people? How many Sundays do you plan on missing? <laughs> How many opportunities do you plan to take to be a part of groups all right, so some of the things that we put on here are uh, first Sunday night, generally the first Sunday night of the month, second if it's a holiday. We'll have something for family. We're going to do things, uh, we'll do church family worship some of those months. Uh, we're going to have things for marriage, parenting, men and women. Uh, first Sunday night of the month, put it on your calendar, good chance something's going to be going on at Gossip Memorial. All right, those are just a few things. And some of the things that, that we have on there, it's about commitment. All right, it's not the only things you do to be committed to Jesus. But as we think about who we are as a local church, the amount of time, the energy, the effort that we have, the ministries that we think we can do at this point, still kind of coming out of a pandemic, we believe that these are things we can put on a calendar. It doesn't mean it's all we're going to do. It doesn't mean we have all the plans put together. It doesn't mean you're not allowed to do other things. But it means these are things that, that we can say we're going to put these down. We want to commit together. Now, Believers gather in services like this and in classes, uh, like our Sunday school classes that happen before we gather. So don't be surprised if you get invited to come to a worship service. Don't be surprised if you get invited to come to a Sunday school class. Those things are a part of commitment. We want to see those things happen, but our calendars often answer for us about our commitments. All right, there's, there's some grandparents in the room. Uh, grandparents, how many of you have gone to one of your 
grandchildren's activities, uh, musical, uh, sports, all right? Parents, same way, like to go to these things. Sometimes parents are like, yeah, I'm the professional taxi driver, driving kids around to every activity there is, and nobody's paying me to do this. I could just set up an app, and maybe somebody would you know, feel bad for me and give me some money. So I'm driving my kids everywhere, right? You feel that way sometimes. But that's commitment. At some level, you put it on your calendar, you're committed to it. I joined up this team for this season, and that's commitment. It means this many Saturdays, it means this many practices, it means this many games. That's where you're going to find us because we made that commitment. And what Jesus is challenging us as believers to do is that we love one another, and as Jesus has loved us, we would love one another. And as we gather, this is my encouragement to you this morning, and my purpose in talking to you about calendar is that we get a chance to love one another when we gather. We get to learn each other. We get to be together. We get to care for one another. Uh, we get to, to grow together. Uh, those that uh, know a little bit more about God's word are helping those that know a little bit less, and we're working together in, in love. And it builds all those things up. All right. So without commitment, we're not believers that love, and we're not a church that loves. And so last is love connects to witnessing. Here's verse 35. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. When you think about that verse, that's really powerful. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. There are a lot of ways to see fruit in the lives of followers of Jesus, okay? A lot of ways. But love, and especially love for other believers, is one of those ways. One cannot be obedient to Jesus without a love for other believers, it's why most churches emphasize gathering and being together in smaller groups. We're not unique in doing that, nor should we be. We want to be obedient. Okay, some challenges this morning. It's often difficult, right? Love, like a cake and a puppy. <laughs> we think about love in, in those ways. I like that. I love that. What about the third stream when we had politics or we have immaturity or something that doesn't go right or situate? It's difficult. Imperfect humans cannot love perfectly. And so a lot of times we have to work through things. Well, how, how are disagreements handled in our culture right now? Let me ask you this. How, how do people handle disagreements? Think about it. If you're disagreeing online, what do you do? You, you hide behind your screen and you type things that you might never say to that person to their face. How else do people handle disagreements and division in our culture right now? We listen to the news. We get all of our cues from people who only think like we do. We don't know anybody who thinks a different way. So we label others as extreme and we, oh, you're way out here, you're a threat and you're a harm. And, and listen, there are some harmful views. I'm not saying that. But Generally, the way that, that we handle people who are different than we are is to alienate them or put a label on them, shove them into some category, and cancel them out of our lives so we don't have to deal with that. That's not love. It's not. 
our love for each other can be a witness to the world around us that, that we have something different, that we don't do those things, that we're not taking cues from our culture. We'll speak truth, we'll challenge each other, we'll be together, we'll work through some things. Okay, let's do that. We'll show each other grace. In 1 Peter, Peter wrote that love covers a multitude of sins. What a great thought. That we're willing to forgive, that we're willing to show grace, that we're willing to walk with people. I want to mention the word for love here, and it's the word agape. It's not a love of feeling. It's not the love of the cake or the dog. <laughs> okay? It's a love of choice. I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm going to stick with it. It's a love where I choose to love that person. And so when Christians choose to love each other, we have a way that we can show the world around us that we are followers of Jesus and we intend to live our lives differently. We're not going to scream at each other about vaccines. We're going to seek to understand things before we form a divisive opinion. We're going to listen to people who see things differently because a lot of times we just don't know. We can maybe admit that we don't know, and we come into conversations with humility. We want to do those things. Okay? So a couple challenges. Yes, it means we treat people differently. It means that we commit to love people. We pray for people and engage in people, maybe even people that we may not like as much, we're not sure about. Uh, it means we avoid putting people in categories, uh, political categories. We don't want politics to overpower our love for others. We want to pray in difficult situations, and we want even to be open to Jesus' command to love our enemies. The book of James reminds us that even demons believe in God. But those demons aren't changed by God. When we believe, we're changed. And it means that we treat people differently. This is all grounded in the love that God has for us. Think about this. Out of all the ways that God establishes a relationship with humans, what could he have done? He could have said, you prove it to me. Prove your love. Follow all my rules. Do all this stuff. And maybe if you do well enough, I'll let you into heaven. He could have done that. And for a lot of us, it would make a lot of sense because that's earning things is how our society works. But the love that Jesus has for his disciples is established not in their ability to prove their perfection. Go ahead and read the stories. These people were just griping about which one was the greatest and going to have the biggest privilege in heaven. That's what they were just doing. All right, so their love for each other is, is based only on what Jesus did for them. And that's the next day after this. He went to the cross and he suffered and he died. And his blood is, is the, the gift. It's the sacrifice to God that establishes a relationship. But we have to surrender our lives. We have to turn from our sin and put our faith in Jesus. When we do that, we understand God's love and we commit to loving others. Only by trusting in Jesus can we grow into that type of love that God desires from us. It's a love that connects with God's glory. It's a love that survives difficulty and reflects servanthood. It is a love committed to Jesus and to other believers, and it can speak to the world around us. That's the type of love that will build up the people in our fellowship and will make people uh, who are newer feel loved uh, maybe people who are searching or adjusting back into church. Um, that type of love is the love that will reflect Jesus and will help us be in obedience to the command that he gave to us. Here's our challenge. As we look ahead, uh, we start this year together, we want to commit to love in all 
circumstances. How has Jesus loved you? Consistently, patiently, sacrificially, with great cost? Let's be willing to reflect that love to other disciples and to the world around us.